Today on Her Wild Outdoors, I'm joined by Glorianne Boyd, Wild Tech Girl on Instagram, and we're going to talk a little bit about Quick Catch, It's a Wild Life on YouTube, and her time in New Zealand hunting. All right. Thank you for listening in to Her Wild Outdoors podcast today. I am excited because Glorianne Boyd is here with me having um, a conversation. You'll recognize her as Wild Tech Girl on Instagram and out there. Um, but Glorianne, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, I like to start out these podcasts with... Um, with you telling us a little bit about your background, um, how you've kind of gotten started in the outdoors and and just kind of give us a little bit of a hint into um, who you are. And so if you don't mind, I'd love to, to hear that. Sure. So I was actually born in Charleston, South Carolina. So we were there until about, uh, until I was in the sixth grade. Um, my parents actually got divorced. And so my mom moved us to Jacksonville to be closer to her family. So, um, but really, you know, growing up, I was always just kind of the tomboy type girl. Always loved to be outside. Wasn't afraid of getting dirty. Um, you know, my dad wasn't really huge into the outdoors. He was more of a sports guy, but he did love to fish. So that was one thing we did get to do growing up was go fishing, which mm -hmm. I loved. Yes. And even they were always making jokes, like, tell, you know, how you learn about when little silly things you did, like growing up. And they're like, you know, you would always get so upset if you didn't get to bait your own hook or put your hand in the bucket and grab your own worm or your, you know, <laughs> the, the, the cricket. And I'm like, wow, so I've always just loved to get in there mm -hmm. and do it myself type deal. So that was always fun, you know, growing up. And, and then even as a teenager in Florida, um, I would babysit a lot. And so like my idea is the babysitter would be like, Hey, let's go outside and catch lizards. You know, let's go, let's go outside and let's do this. And, you know, I didn't want to be inside watching TV with the kids. Like I was always trying to encourage them to get outside and get active and do stuff like that. And there was even a time where there was a snake on like one of the air conditioning vents and all the kids were like freaking out and I was like, I can do this. And so like, I went and grabbed the snake and like threw it away. <laughs> you know, so even before I even met Ryan, I was like removing snakes and, you know, who would have known that this is where my, you know, my future would have led me. That's awesome. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, but, um, so I've always loved the outdoors and not afraid of, you know, any critter or anything like that. But it really wasn't until I met my husband when I was a senior in high school. I was in 2006 mm -hmm. that I was really introduced into kind of the hunting outdoors world. Gotcha. So Ryan, he, he was total opposite. He was pretty much born and raised in the woods. Like his dad, ever since he was like four years old, was taking him to, you know, hunting camp and doing the whole hunting thing, like as like a little, little boy. And he was the one on the playground trying to trap squirrels with his little pencil box and <laughs> making his own little thing. So like he just... You know, this is just second nature to him, kind of the trapping and hunting. So when we met, um, you know, obviously I was not afraid and was like, heck yeah, I'm up for anything. Let's do it. So like, I remember our first few dates, like actually it was our second date. We went fishing at his parents' house. And then like the third date, we went rabbit hunting, like out of his truck. And now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, like what were we doing? <laughs> <laughs> And then like many dates later, like he was really big into hog hunting with dogs. And so that was a big part of his life because here in Florida, we are overrun with hogs. Yeah, you are. So hogs, it's just, I mean, and there's no season on them. They're, you know, they're invasive species. So mm -hmm. it's just open season all year round. So hogs were something he was doing every single week. So well, I was out there with him, you know, didn't want to say no to adventure and no. out to the wee hours in the morning trying to catch I catch hogs and I'm just like, Oh my goodness. So ever from our start of our relationship, it's just been kind of like I was plunged in this whole new exciting world of kind of hunting and <laughs> that I was just, you know, it's definitely all new to me, but mm -hmm. I was so intrigued and, you know, it was exciting. And, um, 
So for many years, I was more of a spectator. You know, I would just go. They had a club in South Carolina and Mm -hmm. it was kind of near my hometown. So it was really cool. It's like, I'd love to go, you know, take me. And so like, I'd go to camp with them, but it would just be me, little Glorian with him and his dad and brothers and all the guy buddies. But, you know, like he still, you know, let me tag along, which was so nice. And so finally, I think one of the years he, um, I did, um, actually hunt with a rifle and I got my first doe. And nice. so that was like, oh, wow, you know, like the beginning kind of, of the, the end. start of everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but he was more of a bow hunter. And so that was more kind of more of a challenge and definitely intriguing to me. So after we got married, I think it was like the first year after we got married, he got me my first bow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, like it's on. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to you know, become a bow hunter just like him, you know, and he's like the best teacher ever. Like he's just so instinctual. And so like, I've really been blessed with like just learning so much and, you know, being able to take it in from, you know, who I consider like a professional, you know, like this is just what he does for, for a job too, you know? So, but it was so much harder than I expected. Right. (laughs) This whole world of bow hunting. But, um, but you know, I've always been super competitive and I'm just like, you know what, I'm not going to let this beat me. I'm just going to practice and practice. And (sighs) I know later, yeah, there's lots of lessons to be learned that we can, I guess, talk about later. But, um, but that was kind of my start. And then, which is funny in Florida, we're not really known for our large deer. And so any, (laughs) any time we have an opportunity to travel and hunt somewhere, that is, you know, definitely our goal. So Mm -hmm. over the years of being married, he learned that I have family in Illinois. And so of course, (laughs) through talking, my uncle Mike, he, he is a hunter. He's not a big deer hunter. He's more of a bird hunter. But um, through talking with him, he's actually retired UPS. And so he used to deliver farm equipment to all these like rural farm guys for years and years and years. And so my uncle is like the most super likable, lovable guy ever. So these farmers actually give him permission to hunt deer hunt on their farms where they won't even let their kids hunt on their farm. So we were somehow able to get in on this train. And so it was like okay like this is serious now like we have our first opportunity the midwest deer hunt and we're gonna you know make the most of it so ryan being the strict teacher he is he's like you're not going and you know not practicing so like every day he had me out there shooting and shooting and at at this time i was full-time at the hospital as a dietitian and so I'd be working crazy long hours, but then I'd get home just in time to like shoot till dark every day. <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to let you, nope. you know, pass up on this opportunity. Nope. So we were determined. And actually the first year I missed a doe. So I didn't even have an opportunity to get a buck, mm. which is so frustrating, of course. Yeah. But Ryan, thankfully he was able to get a buck. So that was exciting just for me to be there and see him. And it was really, it was a cool hunt too. Cause he actually grunted him in and he like ran in. It was That's super the best. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so we're like, okay, you know, this was year one. And then year two though was finally when I, it was actually our very first hunt of the whole trip. We were in a ground blind. We just got set up like really late and he, Brian was actually like, there's no way we're going to see a deer. He's like, it's hot. We're, you know, every, we're sweating. Like, you know, we just put this blind up, but sure enough, here goes old big buck coming around the corner. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Um, like, like couldn't even believe it. And he was kind of out of my range. I think he was like 45 or 50 yards, mm-hmm. but he's like, just, you know, he's like, let's just wait and see what he does. And then actually I think he did the grunt call and he ended up kind of running into us. And so I took my shot and it was like, you know, it's like, okay, is it a good shot? I don't know. Like yeah. I felt good, but I wasn't All that sure. goes through your head. And, <laughs> oh my goodness. Like so much. I was like, this is the buck of a lifetime. Like, oh my goodness. And so of course we go out, we start looking for blood and we're seeing, it was pretty good blood at first, but like we just, you know, it was dark and we're like, you know what? Ryan's like, let's give it some time. Let's go eat some dinner and then we'll come back and look for him. Let's, you know, just give him some time. And so we did. And that was like the longest dinner of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Just like praying, like, please, Lord, please like, let us find him. Let us find him. But we did. And 
yeah, I just, I'm trying to even remember, like, I can't remember how far I ended up being, but we found them and, and like, it was obviously, it was my very first book, but it was, Ryan was like, I've been hunting my whole life and this is a bigger buck than I've ever even seen. (laughs) And I'm just like, okay, you know, thank you. I'm done. (laughs) But But it was awesome. And so pretty much the rest of the hunting trip, I got to hang with my aunt and we watched like Hallmark Christmas movies, like (laughs) while the guys still hunted. (laughs) So I was like, well, this is fun. (laughs) So my aunt was excited. But, um, yeah. So that was really like probably the highlight of my hunting career so far. Cause really that's the actually still the, still the only buck I've ever taken with yeah. my bow. So there's a sense of accomplishment in that there's a oh, sense man. of, um, you put your mind to it. And like you said, you're competitive and you're like, I'm going to get this. This is, <laughs> there's no question yeah. about it. Um, but there's mm-hmm. just, there is that sense of everything coming together in that moment. Um, I still, oh, and man. finding, I lost a buck once. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it was one of those situations. It was probably one of the biggest bucks I've ever shot. And, um, mm-hmm. and it was a great shot, tons of blood. Um it was the sun had just dropped um, right after. And so I knew that it was going to be a nighttime situation and trying to find him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also one of those situations that if I, like in hindsight, I would have given him more time. Like, I'm so glad you guys went to dinner yeah. and came back because what ended yeah. up happening was I came in and he went through a thicket Um like he, he was in a field and he hit the woods and then went through a thicket. And as I was following the trail, I came out back into right out in front of where I was beforehand. And I found this massive blood pool of where he had laid down mm. and he was not oh, there. Yeah. And it was because... I had not waited enough time and I pushed him and we never, I mean, we came back the next day looking for him. We could not find him anywhere on the property that we were allowed to go on there. It was marked, you know, there were boundaries of where we could go and where we couldn't go. And he had crossed that. And so those are the, those are the hard lessons that, um, Uh, I mean, I think, my stomach I was so sick to my stomach of grief over the decision that I had made I was solo hunting and so it really Mm -hmm. um it has made me more aware now of when taking Mm -hmm. um a shot like that even if you see blood if you're not finding the deer right away it's best to kind of hold off Mm -hmm. and wait because man I mean we went out the next day my husband the kids everything everybody and we like came to that spot and my husband just looked down like oh and I went I know I know I know I'm killing myself right now because um those are those are the hard ones those are the hard lessons that you learn from but I won't forget it right Absolutely. Yeah. No, uh-uh. Man. I, I want to go back just a little bit. I met your father-in-law at ATA. Um, okay. <laughs> you've got, I mean, that between meeting you and Ryan and your father-in-law, that just hearing the stories and hearing you guys talk, it, um, and I think that's why I was excited to sit down and talk with you on here because all of you are so welcoming to people. Um, mm-hmm. Just coming in and having a conversation. It's I've talked to a couple of people so far about this, and it was really it's really important to me because that's what the podcast is about: is being able to hear stories from women that are like minded in our outdoors world um, who are relatable, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it it. it I, it inspired me and encouraged me just meeting up with you and hugging your neck and saying hello and hearing these stories and nicknames and all of that just because um, <laughs> it does make you relatable. You know, you see people on Instagram 
and it's like yeah. it's like hey i'm we can you keep up with each other you watch what it just it it seems like there can be relationships built but until you really meet people in real life um I don't know. Yeah. There's there's a sense of hesitancy on are is this their real life? Is this their real nature? Sure. Are they? And so hanging out with you guys for that short, even short amount of time that we got to, um, it was refreshing um, just to be able to see how great you guys were. Um, and so that's I, I just I want to I want to encourage you on that because it is noticeable and um, and from one person to another that's I would want somebody to to say that to me you know what I mean it's encouraging absolutely yeah definitely well thank you you're welcome and we definitely got that vibe from you too though so thank you <laughs> right back at you <laughs> it's just it's, there's yeah you could definitely. You can tell, but there, there's, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, the welcoming, you know, I never want to say anything bad about anybody, but you can definitely tell the differences in just the air that people have as they're walking mm-hmm. around, like, it's true. <laughs> that are more welcoming than others, you it's know, true. unfortunately, it's, but, it's, you know. <laughs> it's, it, but you want to encourage people who do that well, and you want yeah, to point it out absolutely. because, um, if people have questions, if people like yeah. you respond and for newbies out there who have questions or have a wildlife question, goodness mm-hmm. gracious, you both you and Ryan sure. are perfect people to go to um, to ask those questions. Yeah. And so it's good to get stories out and these conversations because it shows everybody who out there is um, is transparent and. Um, yeah. and that's, it's hard to find. And so it's kind of nice to, sure. to point that out. So great job. Great job. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Aww, thank you. <laughs> okay. So did oh, cool. the, you've got, you've got, it's a wildlife out there, right? Um, yes. I want so to hear a little bit about that. For the year. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So it's very kind of unique because so I don't know if it, it would help first to talk about our quick catch business. So yeah, let's start there quick first. Quick catch is our, yeah, so that is, um, Ryan started quick catch in 2007 when we were still dating and it, he was kind of a one man show trapper. So it's a wildlife removal company. Mm-hmm. So in Florida, there's so much development that, you know, we're taking habitat from all these animals that are getting displaced, like definitely the wild hogs. And, yes. um, you know, just, you know, this time of year is, um, raccoons are having their babies. So mm-hmm. like they find, you know, nice warm spots to do that, which is going to be in your attic. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, pretty much it's us coming to remove animals from where they shouldn't be and being able to relocate them back to a better place for them. So it's, it's you know, a really, you know, just fun, cool job. And, um, you know, obviously Brian's been doing this since he's a little kid. So like, it was just second nature to him to, you know, want to do this for a living when he realized this is actually an option. Like, wow, how about that? You get to do but, what um, you love to do. So we've been, <laughs> exactly. It's so cool. And, you know, lots of snakes around, so, you know, just grab, you know, removing snakes. And it's more of just giving the customers peace of mind that, you know, because Florida is pretty wild. Like, is. A lot of people don't realize that they don't do their research before they move to Florida, all these snowbirds. And they're realizing that, you know, we've got alligators, yeah. we've got snakes, we've got... I mean, between Florida know, and Texas, I, I, I put both yeah. Florida and Texas as as the two states within our boundaries. Like if you don't go beyond the ocean, like you guys <laughs> yeah. have the most amount of different species that aren't native to the U.S. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, for sure. So it's, you know, it's been, it's very challenging being in, because obviously we do what we do because we love wildlife. We are trying to help not just the customers, but also the animal to Mm -hmm. get them out of a place that really isn't ideal for them, for their living situation and be able to relocate them, you know, to a place that is better. Mm So, um, you know, with there's things, you know, so with that, it's been challenging, um, to, cause we have kind of two different followings. We've got our animal lovers and then we have, you know, kind of our bow hunting world mm-hmm. and our hunting adventures. And so it's a wildlife has kind of been our, 
kind of mesh of the two worlds and showing that it's actually possible to love, be an animal lover, you know, and love wildlife, respect wildlife, and also be a hunter because that's the same thing. Like we hunt because we respect and love wildlife. And when we're out in the woods in their environment, we're learning more. We're like, you know, being able to see their behaviors. Like it's because we love it, you Mm -hmm. know, like we love the animal and respect the animal. It's not because we're just out there to kill. So it's kind of been our new platform to kind of educate on, Hey, this is possible to love and respect wildlife and be a hunter at the same time. So that's kind of our goal with it. It's important to be able to do that because our job and roles as hunters is management, right? It's um, Absolutely, yeah. And especially in places that are overcrowded with certain species, there's, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, my daughter from the time she was five has been able to tell people that we hunt because if we don't, the deer population will overrun itself Mm -hmm. and disease will run through it. Sickness we're seeing with CWD, like you will see these things run rampant if there's not a control on the numbers. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I mean, that's what you guys are doing. That's what we as hunters should mm-hmm. be doing. It's just educating, not exactly. in a in your face situation, but definitely it's exciting yeah. with this show to be able to to see, like you said, both sides of it. This is why it's done. Yeah. Um exactly. There, and as and, my husband would say, there are good snakes and there are bad snakes. In, t- in Tennessee, <laughs> exactly. it's actually illegal to kill a snake in Tennessee. Um, wow. And that? a lot of people don't know that. And yes, we have cotton mouths, we have copperheads, we have rattlesnakes. Like we have all mm-hmm. of that. But in Tennessee, yeah. it's the numbers of those kind of snakes are fairly low. And so we don't mm-hmm. want to... Anyways, it's it's just I see a lot yeah. of people who post pictures of king snakes, which are beautiful, wonderful, great snakes, yes. and they have killed mm-hmm. them because they thought that they were something bad. Like, and I'm sure. like, no, they're yeah. actually doing good for yeah. your for, for exactly. the environment, for the community, for the. So we, mm-hmm. I think we Chip would actually get a along a whole lot with Ryan and with you because he is the one he's the neighborhood hey call me if you if you have a snake I will come and get it <laughs> and move it awesome yeah but y'all have the really same cool. thing you have good snakes you have bad snakes mm-hmm. you have snakes that Absolutely. need to just be removed and yeah. you have snakes and, and other animals and species that do need to be put down mm-hmm. um, right and it's just the side of it been yeah so I don't know why it kind of worked out this way, but the first few episodes of It's a Wildlife were actually related to a lot of these invasive species that mm-hmm. we've been dealing with in South Florida, the green iguanas and the spiny tail iguanas. And yeah. so it's been a little controversial because people just don't understand, but these animals are not from Florida no. and they're stealing habitats. They're eating, you know, native ground ground nesting owl eggs and like they're like already endangered native wildlife that we have and they're putting them at risk even more because they're stealing their you know their burrows where they live they're eating you know the food they would be eating or Mm -hmm. eating the eggs so keeping them from reproducing so like there's it's just such a balance you know everything needs to be managed and well and um, you you have to remember yeah we didn't like like you said, they are not native. So people will interject and say, well, nature should be able to take care of itself. Well, mm-hmm. the nature, the balance of nature that was here before humanity had an imprint on it would have been able to mm-hmm. balance itself. Um, but sure. because a people have brought these species over um, and B, we have taken over a lot of the habitat that they have had in the past, we do have to interject and we do have to help out as a responsibility. Mm -hmm. Hey, this was put on this whole community in this area because of humanity. So we have to help in that management. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then even that, like there's no native predators for that species because they're not native. There was no, right. like, 
I still don't know of anything that would eat an iguana in nature, you know, <laughs> like that's, I mean, really man is the only option of being able to manage this. So mm-hmm. yeah, crazy. But, and then, you know, we're really big on, you know, we don't want to waste anything. And mm-hmm. of course we were raised if you're, if, well, Ryan was more raised cause I, we didn't hunt, but you know, if you're going to kill it, you're going to eat it. So <laughs> that's, we, we didn't really intend on it to wildlife being like a catch clean cook, but it kind of <laughs> has turned into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's not really our goal with it, but it's more so like, Hey, you know what? There's people in the islands where these lizards are native to, and they're eating them and they love it. And so, you know, let's check it out ourselves. So, you know, it's not something we do every day, but we just, you know, hate to see anything go to waste. Right. And then they have such cool skins that we've been trying to like tan the skins and, you know, make wallets and different things out of it. Just so, you know, every part is being, you know, put to use. What and that's would, with the gators as well. What would your favorite recipe for the lizards be, <laughs> the iguanas? Um, I mean, honestly, that it was like, I called it my Everglades iguana stew. Uh-huh. I'm trying to remember, it was kind of a Southwestern take on it, but it was so good. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I guess cause you cooked it low and slow and obvi- I love anything kind of Tex-Mex flavor anyway mm-hmm. and yep. cumin and, and top of sour cream and cheese. You can't really beat it. Nope, so. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> it, so it was, that was definitely my favorite way. So good. good. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Wow. <laughs> I, uh, I, really, you can make anything taste good. I think it's, it's true. No, <laughs> no, right. it's, it's very Ingredient. true. I was talking with, um, I think I was talking with Katie Wiley. I think that that podcast just came out this week and, um, and Mm -hmm. we've, we've talked a little bit and I've talked with other people like who hunt bear and, and species that you wouldn't necessarily think or they get a bad rep, whether they're carnivores that you're eating or like, how do you make, and truly there is a way for everything that you can make it taste good. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. It's in the processing (laughs) of it. It's in the handling of it. Mm -hmm. And it's in the way that you cook it. Um, Yeah. And so that's, I think I love that side of it. We've, I hunted duck for the first time this year and goose for the first time this year. And both are much mm-hmm. more gamey than, um, um, than venison, um, or chicken mm-hmm. or beef or whatever else you're cooking. But goose especially was a little bit more gamey. And so I found myself having to tweak things just a little bit in the prep part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's in a marinade mm-hmm. or the way that you process it, just, prepping for how you're cooking can sometimes yeah. change it completely um in taste and so Absolutely. I never say I will never try something because um yeah because of one experience you know what I mean um exactly yep there's somebody, so many variables involved <laughs> there really are some person can just fry something up without putting anything on it and it might not taste as great as yeah. putting a marinade on it and cooking it to a different temperature that um then it might taste a little mm-hmm. bit better so i never say i won't try that because of one experience with it um and, right. and i think i tell my kids the same thing hey I want you to try this. I tried that last time. I didn't like it. Well, this is cooked differently. <laughs> and that's just, you've got yeah. to at least try a bite. Um, and for that the most a- part, everybody that has come over that has had that same mindset. Well, I had that growing up and it didn't taste great. So I'm like, we'll try it. Just try it one more time. And usually it changes yep. their mind just a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really all we cook is wild game at mm-hmm. our house. So, you know, when we do have people over and they've got kind of stigmas against wild game or whatever. And it's, so, it's usually it's Ryan's grandparents. <laughs> and so like, they, I had like a big Mother's Day meal one time and they were eating and she she ate like her whole plate or like half of her thing. And then when, when she finally asked, well, what, what is this meat, by the way? And we're like, oh, that's venison. And she just like put her fork down and she didn't eat another bite the rest of the time. And we're like, Nana, like, you like it looks like it. you like it. She's like, it was good. But she's like, I just can't get past the idea that it's here. I'm just like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so sometimes it's like a mental block for people. True. But, you know, True. I'm like, oh, oh well. But it's I won't so- take it personally. <laughs> it is such a great way to introduce people into hunting um, by cooking for them just because of the social aspect and the family aspect and um, 
getting together around a table and and eating a meal together, yeah. um, it creates a situation that it's not in their face. It's not a negative mm-hmm. situation. It's just mm-hmm. warm and friendly and um, and hopefully – people out there will cook <laughs> a good meal. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, cool. I'm I'm excited. I'm I I love kind of what you guys have stood for. I've loved the message that um both of you put out there, but I think as women coming into this um into this community, like as a latecomer or as, um, I was a little bit later coming into the hunting community. And Mm so even, let's see, I was hunting for five years before I even got into the social media side of hunting. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that that happened that way because of how Mm -hmm. overwhelming and intimidating it can be. Um, whether you're a man or a woman coming in to hunting as a newbie, Mm -hmm. um, but there are there are people that you can watch for. And like we said earlier, you can tell pretty quickly transparent mm-hmm. um, people who are out there willing to help or willing to be a reference or a resource. Um, you can tell pretty quick who's who. And, um, yeah. and so – following pages like yours and there are many others out there that you can really um, see not only the transparency, but the relatability um, to them. And so I love a, that you and your husband balance this together. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's something that you don't see that often. A lot of times you see one side or the other, but um but watching you guys do this together is um, inspiring and encouraging, and I love that. Um, I think that it's not seen as much. There have been a few people that I've interviewed. I had an interview with um, with the Taylors from Texas who hunt together, and it's mm-hmm. you see what the Halo Chronicles. The like there are a couple of husband wife teams that. Um, that you get to watch and see um, balance life and hunting and work all together. And it's just exciting to see that. I don't, I'm being married, whether you're the, you know, whichever spouse you are, it's encouraging to see that on social media, right? To see how, who gets to hunt, who gets (laughs) to pull the trigger, who gets to um, take the shot. Um, we draw straws to go hunting sometimes <laughs> to see who has to stay it. here um, with the kids, although they're they're hunting with us oh. this year. Um, but it's yeah, it has been <laughs> the balance of it um, as sure. a couple. Um, who gives? You each have your own um, things that you bring to the table, right? Who? Um, yeah, definitely. And it's fun to see those evolve over time, Um, Mm -hmm. whether it's patience or um, tracking skills or uh, calling. I'm horrible at calling. And so um, (laughs) it's especially for turkey. I'm like, hey, hey, babe, I need you and you and hunting. (laughs) I need a little bit of help here. It's definitely not a solo hunt. (laughs) No, uh uh-uh. Um, so it's, uh, it's fun to see that balance. It's fun to see that put out there. And, um, and I think, I don't think that you guys see how much of an impact that, that makes Mm -hmm. for other people. Um, and I think that we have to, I mean, we always have to be aware of any kind of impact we have when you're on social media, um, whether you have yeah. 10 followers or millions of followers, mm-hmm. um, as hunters, right. we have to be careful of that. You touched Definitely. on that just yeah. a little bit on your show, like on some of the controversial ways that you're yeah. educating. And um, I think y'all are doing a great job. How have you guys noticed? Um, how have you noticed that you've had to be careful um, as a hunter slash wildlife person? Yeah. And typically like, I guess 
what's kind of nice about social media, if they don't agree or like what you're posting, they just unfollow you. So right. usually it's okay. We don't really get a lot of heat from people who don't really agree. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more so on our business end that we kind of get the negative um you know, maybe, um, reviews or things like that. If they might've seen that we're bow hunters and they mm. go back to our company and say, Oh, the owners of quick catch, they, you know, they kill animals, you know, and they just kind of blow it out of proportion. It's all emotion. Cause they're yeah. just not, you know, if you never saw a dead animal, like, of course you're going to react in emotion right. about it. Cause you're just not used to it. Right. So, um, so I think it's been more on the business front that mm-hmm. I think we've had a few people and, and actually feral cats are a big, <laughs> a yeah. big controversial thing too right now. Cause they kill so many native wildlife that yes, we have. That's true. And you know, that's, there's, but people love their cats. And so that's been a big one on social media, like on our business, like Facebook pages where we've had a lot of heat about that. Cause actually Ryan had, he had like a all guys kind of like hunting trip one year where they were pretty much just living off the land. They were relying on whatever they hunted and trapped and he trapped a bobcat and there was nothing else to eat. So they cooked the bobcat and I guess his mistake was actually, you know, posting it on social media without kind of realizing the negative effect it was going to have, but it still haunts him to this day. And it's been like five years ago. Wow. Um, still people going, you know, the owner ate a bobcat, you know, oh it's just gosh. like, oh my goodness, people like yeah. let it go. But yeah. <laughs> you know, like he's a publicly apologized, like he took it off as soon as we realized it, but it's just so tough now. The world we live in is so, you just don't know who's going to see it and you don't know what their background is. And mm-hmm. it's so hard to, you know, be able to know, should I post this or should I not? Like, or how do tough, I post you know? it? How do I present yeah. this? Because it, it like you said, it can be presented in a way that's educational. It can yeah. be presented. Um, Britt Longoria, she puts things out there yeah. and she said, I mean, she gets a whole, a whole lot of heat. And she said, it is how you present it. It's, she has the mm-hmm. whole honor the hunt. It's, um, Sometimes the grip and grins can be a little too grippy and grinny. And so mm-hmm. um, it is how you present um, that post, that picture, that um, it can be very respectful. It can be very educational. Um, man, even yeah. the words, like how you word things mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. soften a blow to somebody. Um it yeah. can it can create a situation that is open for conversation versus very closed off. And um, I think that we can be more mindful in that. Um, I yeah, think I'm reminded definitely. every day if it, whatever post is going out, I think that's in the back of my head. Okay. Not mm-hmm. do I need to be careful and guard myself and be um, – because I don't want the – the hash back on myself, but it's how can I post this in a way that would open conversation to somebody if they have Mm -hmm. never hunted before. Um, Yep, exactly. I love that. And it's just definitely, yeah, it's a way that it takes you away from thinking about self to thinking about others. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I love that. And definitely in what's, kind of been cool and some like in the beginning I was kind of like Ryan why are you wasting your time on talking to these people but he like he is all about educating and so like anyone who would private message him some kind of hate something like he always takes the time to educate mm-hmm. and try to kind of reason with them and towards the end of the conversation they kind of they're like oh oh you know I didn't see it that way right. or whatnot. So that's kind of a cool thing that I admire about him too, because I, I don't like controversy usually, <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. not big on that, but, but now, you know, when someone would message me, it's like, okay, how do you think we should respond or mm-hmm. how do we approach this with education to be able to, you know, that's all it is, is educating and bringing awareness. And obviously we're not all going to agree at the end of the day on yeah. everything, but it's just a matter of being respectful yeah. and, you know, yeah. and also not like shutting people out, but being approachable and willing to educate and be transparent. And like you were saying earlier, like, I think that's key to, you know, I agree. educating. <laughs> I agree. I think that, um, uh, I'm reminded through my kids 
that my goal doesn't necessarily have to be to win the conversation. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to end in us agreeing on something. Um, If we can Mm -hmm. walk away from a conversation with me respecting you for how you have handled yourself and you respecting me, Mm -hmm. um, that is the biggest win in itself. Absolutely. Um, Like you said, we're not all going to agree on everything, but we can Mm -hmm. respect each other. And, um, and that comes from educating. And so I think that's why I've really loved that you guys have taken that business aspect of it and turned it into not just something that's entertaining, but something that, um, tells a story because telling a story, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. educates easier, than just telling facts. And so um, I think that's a great thing about It's a Wildlife. And so well done. Well done. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) Good job. Hey, did you, like we've talked a little bit about your background and um, and how Mm -hmm. like for the hunting part, you didn't really get that until later. and I know right. that Ryan has Ryan and his family have had a huge impact on that. But have there been any mm-hmm. women since you have started that have been encouraging to you that have stood out and, and helped you along the way? Or who are some of the women, if there are, that have, have been there? Mm-hmm. That's putting you on the spot, I've got to say. Yeah, that's, that's really tough because I guess it's more of – now that we are on social media mm-hmm. and we're starting to go to some of these like trade shows and we're meeting people in person, I feel like there's a huge like potential that there could be now. And like, yes. we might actually one day be able to meet up and do something or, um, you know, I know one couple we really kind of clicked well with at ATA was Jess and Christian bond. And so we yes. were trying to plan a turkey hunt with them this spring. And, but with all the Corona stuff, like we were actually supposed to go over Easter because my brother lives in Oklahoma. So it's going to be perfect. And, but it's not going to work out. So, but you know, it's kind of the hope, like, you know, we're finally starting to meet some real people that are doing things just like us. And it's so cool yeah. that, you know, we're all over the country in different spots, but, um, so I feel like probably very soon, hopefully yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll be able to really kind of connect and have some real you know, other couples to hunt with, which is exciting. I think um, that that's, that has been the answer overall. It's either no, I haven't, or there's potential. Um, mm -hmm. It's hard to, to not be able to reach out. Like I can reach out and, and connect with, I mean, here in Tennessee, there are men everywhere that hunt. Um, They're Mm -hmm. there. And don't get me wrong. I've enjoyed every single hunt that I've been on. Um, if I've been with other people, whether they're male or female. Um, But it Mm -hmm. wasn't until this year that I met women in person who live within an hour of me, right? Um, Yeah. I've got a friend that – that started going to our church actually, that was very, it was like out of the blue and they hunt. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I gave, I think I gave her a hug <laughs> the very first time uh-huh. I met her and we were talking and she said that. And I think I just like enveloped her, like gave her a big, I probably scared the crap out of her because um, uh-huh. it just was overwhelming. Like a like-minded person that is within yeah. my community. Um, and I think we're, mm-hmm. we're going to be turkey hunting this year together. And I'm excited about that. Uh-huh. But, exciting, um, yeah. but going on a duck hunt with all women was so exciting. Had a few wow. things that are different than hunting with men in good and challenging ways. Um, sure. I think that women and men can be competitive with each other. And so um, mm-hmm. I... I think that competition goes like both ways. It can bring out the good (laughs) in people and it can bring out negative. And I didn't see negative. Um, Even though I saw competition, I didn't see negative. And so it was encouraging to see, um, to see that. So it is, like you said, it's exciting to see potential. Um, I love that even though I didn't grow up with a woman encouraging me in hunting, um, 
I'm excited to see the future generations of all of us women who are doing this now. Um, Like 30 years from now, this conversation will be completely different. It, Definitely. It excites mm-hmm. me. It excites me that my daughter's generation, if they were having conversations like this, there will be a lot more mm-hmm. women saying, well, my mom, my aunt, my friend's mom, mm-hmm. like there are so many more women nowadays um, who are going to be able to have footprints Um of mentoring yeah. and and relationships in our hunting community that are passing things down. And I it excites me. I'm excited about that. Definitely, yeah. I agree. Pretty neat. It'll be it'll be interesting. <laughs> it'll I kind of Yeah. Like wouldn't it be great to jump into the future just a little bit and see um, <laughs> what kind of impact mm-hmm. what we're doing now yeah. will make on future generations. Um there's For a, sure. a yeah. lot of responsibility to that that can be intimidating, but um, I think if we look mm-hmm. at it more as inspirational and exciting, it can be um, it can be a fun thing to start. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. it'll be fun. <laughs> it'll be really fun. Um, tell me, so in your community in Florida, right now, all this coronavirus mm-hmm. is. Um, messing with stuff. But I was down in Florida over Christmas for a week and we were living on a, uh, we were staying on a, um, it was a wildlife preserve type place, retirement community situation. They're covered up with everything from hogs to deer to, um, rattlesnakes to, I mean, there was, we saw everything that week. Um, and I know talking with my in-laws, I think I think I sent you a message that week. Hey, just had two rattlesnakes uh, removed from the road down the street. Um, yeah. But they said I going back to your hog situation. They said that the hogs are the worst part. Um, yeah, like the snakes are. I mean, you think. Oh my goodness! There's two humongous yeah, rattlesnakes. Yeah, but they don't do physical no. damage. They don't. Yeah, like hogs do. <laughs> they like don't. hogs do millions of dollars of landscape damage each year. Yes, like it's insane. Yes. So and we actually have a couple neighborhoods. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. So we have a couple neighborhoods. That's pretty much all we do for them is manage their hog population. Like we're on like a monthly agreement with them, and pretty much all year round we're trapping and hunting for hogs. Like that is our job. Um, just because they've done so much damage, you know, in these big expensive neighborhoods where they're paying, you know, thousands of dollars on landscaping and then it just gets rooted up right. <laughs> like as soon as they plant it. Well, so, people are like, every, yeah, it's a big, like you're on a monthly, like a, like you're doing this constantly and people are, well, how do you have mm-hmm. that many? And it's because they reproduce so Absolutely. fast. Every sow that we have removed or shot, they've always had pigs. Yeah. Like it's just, it's crazy how quickly they reproduce. I so think, yeah, I think it's I like read, you can't even catch up. I think I read it's every six months they can wow. get pregnant um, wow. and produce, what is it? Five, six, seven. Um, oh yeah. At least. And that, yeah, like five to eight pigs. It's mm-hmm. crazy. And it, you keep seeing, you see Texas is overrun. You see Florida's yeah. overrun. It's pushing into Alabama and Georgia. We are starting here in Tennessee to see a problem with it. Um, wow. And so you're seeing this gravity, like it's starting to, uh, it's a, I think that hogs, <laughs> I mean, you talk about, like the reptile situation in Florida mm-hmm. with boas and that kind of thing being a situation yeah. as well. But man, those hogs, they can destroy farms. Yeah. They can destroy, um, of course, like you oh, said, yeah. landscape. They can, they, but I, mm-hmm. what the problem that we saw was um, the flooding issue because they are uprooting mm-hmm. so much that it's creating. Wow this situation that um, the the water when it rains isn't saturating back. It's not flowing correctly anymore. Mm. Um, they just, Goodness. it's, it, it, I don't, 
I don't, there, there are words to describe it that aren't coming to my head right now, but it's a, the crisis <laughs> right. is more, the crisis it's is bigger. Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I, yeah. it, to see the actual damage in person of what they were doing, mm-hmm. it was crazy yeah. to me just seeing it. Right. Um, and I think what also makes it so tough is they're such a smart animal. Mm-hmm. Like they're, you know, there'll be people who hire trappers and they have these little, you know, little small box traps. But, you know, once a hog is trapped once or sees another hog get trapped once, he's going to be trap shy. Like they're so yeah. smart. They get educated so quickly. And so if you don't have someone in there who knows what they're doing, and that's what's kind of cool technology nowadays. So Ryan has these like cellular traps where he, we have cameras around it. So like if he sees that there's still a hog on the outside of the trap, he is not going to put the door down because he like, he, <laughs> his yeah. biggest thing is, you know, 90% success is a hundred percent failure because right. even though you caught nine of the 10 hogs, that one hog is now educated. Yeah. And if she has pigs, she's going to teach all of her pigs that, nope, you don't want to go into one of those things. And so it's so critical that you have someone who knows what they're doing and, you know, removing them all at once and not educating any others who might be hanging out, you know, on the background. Um, so it's tough. Goodness yeah. Gracious. And then some of these big boar hogs go nocturnal. So we've mm-hmm. had to like sit till all hours of the morning with, you know, like our AR with the night vision scope right. and take them out that way. Like there's so many, oh, there's so, it's a, a love hate relationship we have with them because <laughs> it is so challenging that it's exciting, but yeah. yet it's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. You will never not have a job ever. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Job security for sure. (laughs) Hey, before we end, I wanted to ask you because you actually put a post up recently about your New Zealand trip last year. Um, It was right around this time, right? Yes. During the roar. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So... Yeah. So this has definitely been kind of our dream hunt of a lifetime ever. So um, we actually were able to tag on Australia first. So we did some wildlife wrangling with our friend Andrew Eucles in Australia first, which was really cool. So like they were after, you know, we got to like all the like echidnas, which is like a native wildlife thing to there. And then mm-hmm. of course the guys are out looking for the most venomous snakes, the red belly black snakes and the <laughs> Eastern Browns. And yeah. I'm like, Oh my goodness, like we are crazy. <laughs> but, and um, tons of kangaroos everywhere. So it was just like our wildlife heaven. You yeah. know, it was so, so exciting. And then the second half of the trip, we went to New Zealand, which was amazing. The first part, we just kind of sightseed and hiked and saw all like the most gorgeous lakes we've ever seen in our lives. Like we felt like, like if, if, you know, obviously we haven't been to heaven yet, but like heaven has to be so much like New Zealand. (laughs) It's just like perfect. Um, But we were able to hunt for stag. Um, So we were both bow hunting, which is a lot more challenging Mm -hmm. um, over there. So um, I hunted probably, let's see, we were, I think we were at the hunting camp for like a week. So like the first three, four days, and then it's tough too, because there was me, there was Ryan, there was the guide and then the cameraman. Yeah. So like there's so many people that are having to stock up to these super smart, you know, majestic stags yes. that like, I just, I, you know, it just was not happening for me. Um, and then there was one day when I had, I had a perfect stag. He was like within, I think he was like 25 yards, like perfect bow range, but me little Florida hunter used to hunting just flat land wasn't used to the elevation angle change. uh And so whatever range finder my guide was using, he ranged a certain range and whatever it was, it shot way low or way high. I can't remember which one it was, but like it was way off. And so when we looked at the footage, we're like, what in the world? And then when we got back to camp and talked to one of the other guides, um, he was like, Oh, well you should have adjusted for the angle and oh you know, no gosh. wonder it was that it should have been this range. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. It was one of those like, like, Oh, if I only knew, you know, so 
I don't but know, at that though, point, rather, like it was only, yeah. I would rather miss high or low than a bad shot. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I was super thankful for that, that at yeah. least it was a clean miss. We knew for sure it was a clean miss. Right. But yeah, it was still just like, oh, uh, my opportunity is gone. <laughs> so at that point, I know I was like, you know what, Ryan, like we're already like half, half of our trip done. We need to get you on a stag. Like, let's take up, you know, we'll, we'll worry about me later. Like I've already kind of had my shots. So, so we kind of transitioned to Ryan and we had our challenges with him too. So actually his bow, when we, you know, of course with the flights and everything, his bow like shattered, like there was this part that like, like we were doing our practice shooting the first day and his, like something just went kaplooey, like his arrow split, like, like it was like devastating and we were just like, Oh my goodness. Like we've come across the world and what do we do? And the closest bow shop was like four hours away. But thankfully there was a lady who was hunting with us that week and she happened to be a bow technician for field and stream. And she's what? like, let me take a look at it. And, you know, see what I know. I'm like, that is, like divine yes. God connection right there. Yes. Like that she happened to be there that same week. Yeah. And she looked at it and she was able to rig something up with dental floss and get his whatever was wrong with his I don't even remember all the all the stuff, but she was able to rig it up with dental floss and got him back up shooting again. And so it was just like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> like this whole, the New Zealand hunt was probably the most challenging, yeah. like emotionally, physically, like spiritually, like the most crazy experience of our lives. Cause it was so tough because everyone else at the camp were rifle hunters. So they shot their stags the first day. Right. They were just enjoying life. And you know, every night at dinner we'd come back and they're like, did you get anything? You're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was like on Wednesday, our guide had found like this wild mushroom in the field and we're like, wow, you know, like, you know, we were like so excited about harvesting this mushroom and we cooked it that night and like it was the best thing we've ever tasted. We're like, man, it's nice to actually like enjoy the, 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 the reward of harvesting harvest. something, this little <laughs> mushroom. <laughs> so it was just like, oh my goodness. But Finally, Ryan was able to get on get on an awesome stag. I think it was like the Thursday because we ended up extending our trip because we were just like we are not going home empty yeah. handed. Yeah. <laughs> so we were supposed to leave Friday. We ended up leaving I think Saturday, but um, but he got his Thursday, maybe Thursday, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then you know, so we actually split up that day because one of like. They're like, okay, all hands on deck. One guy take Ryan, one guy take Lori. Like, let's just, we got to get this done. Right. <laughs> so I was with the other guide, and then so I actually wasn't there for Ryan's um, harvest, but um, we met him as soon as we heard the news. We ran over there and was able to, um, you know, help him like dress it out and everything, which was awesome. So, like, it was definitely, I was just, you know, he's in tears, like, because yeah. it was just the most trying week of our lives. And, well, and he shot and with a actually, bow with dental floss. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty yeah. awesome. <laughs> I know. Like, I mean, oh my goodness. Like, the story was just crazy. And um, actually, he, he's he been battling Lyme disease as well. Oh. So, like, there was a point a few years ago where physically, there's no way we mm -hmm. could be hiking mountains and hunt. Like, I mean, it's a rough terrain up in those, you know, New Zealand mountains. So like, yeah. there's no way he could have been doing that. So like, it was just kind of all the emotion at once, like, you know, being able to finally do my dream hunt, mm -hmm. you know, harvest this beautiful stag yep. and we got it all done like on the last day. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks the Lord. But it was awesome. <laughs> I know. And then of course our original thought was like, wow, we're all the way here. So like this Himalayan tar is so awesome. Mm -hmm. We got to hunt them too. So the last day they took us up to tar camp. And, um, so I had my bow just in case. Cause you know, if I got a within bow range, I was like, heck yeah, I'm going to try to take it with my bow, which they said is crazy difficult. But, um, as the day went on and it was like the last few hours, I was like, just give me the rifle. <laughs> but he made us work for it. We still had to climb to the tip top of the mountain to get to where they were at. Like these suckers are crazy, you know, alpine animals. And, but I mean, I, I loved every minute of it though. Like I love a challenge and I love, you know, being active and being, you know, pushed physically and like yeah. climbing a mountain was just like, this is awesome. <laughs> well, and there's, there's something so, but, to, there's something to a hunting story 
where you harvest something, um, there's just something about looking back and and telling the story, like being able to eat a meal and tell the story of it or being able to look mm-hmm. on the wall and be able oh, to tell man. the story of it. And yeah. those tough ones, those tough stories, yeah. um, man, there's something to hand down, right? There, it's mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. There's like, pride and joy and <sighs> you can still feel the frustration yeah. of it and the emotion Absolutely. of it. Um, yeah. That's the best part. And the relief of when you yes. like, when I finally, you know, <laughs> pulled that trigger and I saw him drop and it was like, yes, oh, like yeah. finally, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. So much. Oh, yeah. It's yep. just, you can't even put into words how much relief you have. Like finally we did it. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely yeah, love it. It was highly, highly recommend going to New Zealand to hunt. It's a trip of a lifetime, like in every way. Like it's amazing. Yeah. So I've gotten, I've talked to a couple of ladies in New Zealand and they're like, come on over. And I went, okay, that like, (laughs) let me save and plan for a couple of years. So you're going to have to be my friend for a couple of years. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It was something we planned for a long, long time and saved up for. Yes. (laughs) It was actually all of our extra hog money that we used to pay for New Zealand. So like, (laughs) Hey, I've got a jar. I probably shouldn't go into all that. But anyways, we had kind of like a stash, like, but yeah, it was, I have a jar right now with all the extra changes going into the jar for a Colorado elk hunt. Like that's, I just keep putting more change into it and, and one day it will happen. And until that change jar is full, it's not going to happen. And so I just keep putting change into it and, um, one day it'll happen one day. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I, I, I have wanted to hear about New Zealand. I've wanted to hear about everything that you guys do. Um, I I appreciate the time that you've taken today to um, to tell us your stories and um, and I I hope that you leave encouraged that uh, yeah. that your heart is seen that your um, your heart for others, but, um, but also just your heart on the inside It is seen and it is, um, appreciated and, um, and keep doing what you guys are doing. I, I commend mm-hmm. you for it. So thank, thank you. you so much. I mean, so much. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad. So nice of you to have me. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Follow Glory Ann on Instagram, wild tech girl, or go and follow their adventures on YouTube. It's a wild life. Thanks, Glorianne.